Oh hey, didn't see you there. Welcome to Secondary Fermentation, episode number 48. Food and beer pairings. Beer and food. I don't know what the title's officially going to be yet, but I feel like I just made it, so it has to be that. We'll see that <laughs> you when it box comes yourself out. in. <laughs> uh, this is Joe, and of course I am joined by... Nick. And Lauren. And Lauren. You sounded unsure about that. And, yes, <laughs> I think my name is Lauren. Last time I checked. I'm Ron are you Are you experiencing amnesia? No, I'm experiencing, you call me other names, so I wasn't sure, what, what do I go by? Yeah, like beautiful and sweetheart. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> my love, my, my muse, my, my muse, flame. My flame. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so we're here, we're back for another episode, this time a, a fun topic, it was a fun to prepare for this one, we uh, got a little creative as you'll see when we get progressed through the episode, uh, but first, you know, what have we been up to lately? We, uh, Nick and I made a trip out to Casita Brewing in Wilson, North Carolina last mm. weekend, it was a nice trip. Yeah, that was a nice trip, that was kind of impromptu, we just mentioned i think the, the night before and was mm-hmm. like we should go tomorrow and it's only like 30 40 minutes away yeah just missed out our buddy taj was there just before we arrived i think we keep missing our paths don't cross yeah. yeah um yeah if you guys check out our instagram it's probably been over a year now we got to sit down with him at the brewery that was really cool talk about his story with craft beer and um, he'd actually done a collab with the uh the owner and brewer at uh, Casita to do his own beer release. So Yeah, and the, the, we were also wondering there, we were kind of reading about the story of Casita, because I was curious what the old building used to be, but I didn't find that answer. But I, I knew that the brewer had had a little bit of a, a storied past, you know, with his brewing career, but I didn't realize how in-depth it was. If you go over to Casita uh, Brewing's website, you can read a little bit about the, the journey they had, but basically started out in beer, uh, ended up in Denmark, right? Then England, then back to North Carolina, or no, then to uh, Hill Farmstead in Vermont, then back to North Carolina, opening up uh, Casita. Worked at Duck Rabbit for a stint too. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, cool connections in the the Eastern North Carolina beer scene, but it's it's really cool. It's like a, it's a nice collaborative brewery, which I mean. Mm-hmm. Hence their collaborations with other breweries and the Casita Collab and, Fest. Yeah, the, the festival they hosted last year. But just um, the, the way that uh, you know Ryan and Mahalia, they're uh, the co-owners of Casita, and you know, they both had their own unique kind of start into the industry. Uh, their paths crossed, and then you know the rest is history, as they say. But yeah, there's a really cool bio about um, their time before they met, how they got into the industry how Casita was kind of devised. And then, you know, I remember like we talked about this just the other day was the first time I remember seeing Casita, I think like on a can was, you know, they were doing a collab with, it might've been Hill Farmstead or something like a pretty yeah. large brewery. And it was like, Oh, you know, I don't know what the Casita is. And we looked it up and they hadn't actually opened the doors of their brick and mortar mm-hmm. yet. They just were, you know, kind of still contracting out other breweries and collaborating with them. So once our doors open, they've uh, really taken off. They've done a lot of work. They've, you know, kind of collabed with other smaller breweries to produce beers and held a lot of events at the at the beer garden that's adjacent to their building. So um, they've definitely kind of hit the ground running once they once yeah. they open shop there. Not to mention hitting it out of the park with a lot of their beers. I mean, oh yeah, a lot of good stuff and a ton of variety too. It's not like they just have one style they stick to, but they've got a bunch of cool stuff that they make and i mean when we go there always on tap they have like at least like 10 different options at a time and yeah always always cranking out new stuff it's cool to to get up there too bad it's as far as it is if it was a little closer it'd be cool it'd probably be a little more frequent yeah 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 exactly but always a fun time to get out there and while we're there we picked up a special little treat for Mm. ourselves Uh, we got a little it was a holiday barrel aged box that they had uh came with four beers in it one was aged three years, right? That was a collab with Bond Brothers. Yeah. The, uh, w- oh. the foot fault. What was the what were the barrels they used? It was actually that was a particular note. Three year barrel aging. The distillery though was I mean, we see a lot of like Blantons, we see a lot of Buffalo Trays. 
Um, Mother Earth is, you know, a local brewery that they have their own barrels, but Elijah Craig. Craig. Yeah, I think it's Elijah Craig. And then one of them is in McKenna barrels. Oh, McKenna Tenure. That's the one I was thinking of. That one is the uh, Edison, right? The Edison. So, which is, yeah, I didn't know that was named after their daughter. I I mean, the the depiction on the can for like their Edison ale, which is the birth child of this. Thomas Edison? Yeah, it's got the light bulb. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But yeah, the the footfall is a three year bourbon barrel aged um, in the uh, Elijah Craig. Okay. I got them mixed right? up. It was the Bros, and then there was the Edison. Oh no, Edison was in the Elijah Craig LC. Oh, I didn't have it mixed up. Yeah, so yeah, two. Well, and actually, I think even the two canned beers, they have some some barrel aging too, if yeah. I recall. Yeah, it's interesting to see the. <laughs> The you you get a big old, uh, like I guess was it twenty five ounce bottle or, uh, the yeah you so there's a the Edison is a seven fifty mil yep which is that uh, the twelve uh, year Elijah Craig barrel for a year, Footfall is the three year bourbon barrel which I think is the McKenna it doesn't actually say on on their post here but that's a five hundred mil yeah we'll check the bottle yeah. Then the uh, the one with the incredibly long name, not before I've had my banana marshmallow chocolate vanilla hazelnut coffee stout, <laughs> is an eight ounce can, and that was a uh, rum barrel aged. Interesting. And then they've got also in that four pack was uh, a nineteen point two ounce can, so the big old stovepipe can of uh, Old Showboat, which is their bourbon barrel aged American barley wine. Yeah, so a lot of different styles while still implementing the bourbon barrel aging. And different bourbon barrels, too. So I really am interested to try all these. Um, it was a cool find while we were there. They sell them individually, but it was a better deal just to buy all four as a set. Uh, they discounted it that way. Um, yeah, no, that should yeah, be really cool. Yeah, 50 bucks for those four beers was pretty, oh, yeah. pretty good deal. I'm excited to, we'll have to do uh <laughs> Lauren's eyes I realize it's fun it was. Oh. <laughs> individually purchased, it would have been 65 Yeah. Oh, okay. we're gonna split. I just owe so Joe twenty five bucks. <laughs> stonks. Let me uh, let me hit that Ven- stonks Venmo. meme here. Stonks. Investment. <laughs> we're we're you know we're just making wise financial decisions here, Lauren. Yeah. Ah, oh, yes. This is yes. not a financial advisory podcast. As as much as That's it may be, uh, you know, you may be confused by that, but yeah, our financial advisor, if we had one, would probably tell us to buy less beer. <laughs> yeah. You spend way too much money on beer. Um, That's why we don't give our know? financial do advisor our, our individual budgets. Budgets. Advisor. I hardly know her. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that was a great time. Got some good beers. We'll be. We're looking forward to trying those. We might try to do something on the podcast with them and yeah, see what we can do. Maybe there. do some like video too. We talked about maybe doing some video footage. Yeah. I think we could try to. Let's get a little more present in the the multimedia. Multi. You know. Media. I guess is that is that, in, that incorporates like video and stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. So I prefer singular media. Singular media platforms. Sometimes we just like hide behind pictures and uh, wavelengths, and we're just not present. So just who are we? Who are we? Uh, nobody Where cares. <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, I see we've got a beer on the table here. Mm, uh, yes. Shall we crack it? Let's crack a beer. Splashy boy, I got over half of my face wet. Um, <laughs> over half of his face. I must have forgotten because I've had one of these before. I we got a four pack of, um, the beer for today's episode is Furrow from Brewery Bavana. So we've got a nice sixteen ounce can here. This is their Belgian style winter ale. I believe it's a Belgian quad. Um, really interesting profile once it settles here i'll pour you some joe um once my cheeks stop dripping dripping that really just like i don't know if you can see it from over there but fly yeah it was like it's a very like a full can or it's very vigorously oh is it all over you you i think i saved up i saved the couch though i think so it's just all over my clothes (laughs) in my face um uh speaking of you know i think that was a very gotta get that crispy audio uh, speaking of, you know, beer and food, Brewery Bavana, I think that was an excellent choice for a beer tonight because Brewery Bavana has an excellent restaurant 
uh, as part of their their brewery. Asian inspired food. Um, yeah. Dumplings, you know, all sorts of mm-hmm. very good stuff. I like going there. Yeah, I think they're. I mean, I wouldn't say equally known for their food, but definitely very notable for their the food as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you go visit the their location. It's it's more of a restaurant focus, I think, than a than like a brewery. It's very good though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also their beers top notch. I've haven't had too many beers mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh, this is just okay. Um, no, I really, I mean, one I really liked was they had Piglet, which was a mm-hmm. grisette that they yeah, made. that was good. Yeah, actually, I saw that at Wegmans when we were in Raleigh last time, which is where I got this beer. But um, I also got, I think I've mentioned it a couple times on the podcast because I can't get over it. They have a session IPA called Yield, I believe is the name. Uh, I got a six-pack of that. I almost brought that for today, but it's only a 12-ounce. Yeah, a little harder to split. And also, I'll I'll split that some other time, but it's a really good session IPA, full-flavored, just tons of like yeah bright hop character while still being a low low abv beer so yeah um, i like and their uh their ipa plow it's also very good mm-hmm. yeah i like the names just like a so, simple like yeah they're like all kind of like farming terms you yeah. know but yeah so i mean we got a uh a belgian beer here that you know right off the bat on the nose it has that like just synonymous character of a Belgian beer. It's a, you know, some estery phenolic compounds. That's going to vary a little bit, but like this one in particular has a lot more like, like spice variety and complexity, I think. Yeah. And it's not, I don't know. It's not really, I'm not getting like hits of clove on the nose and stuff like that. I'm getting a little bit more like fruity spice. Yeah. This might be kind of weird, but like it smells warm to me. Like not like temperature warm. It just like has a warming quality. Um, it just like, it reminds me of, yeah. I don't know, almost like making like a warm cup of like, like, like not mold wine, but just something like a warm beverage that has you know, like cinnamon cider. stick in it and like a little bit of like nutmeg, coriander, some yeah. orange zest maybe, but it, a little warm apple cider for you. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But and those things I named are actually, you know, listed on the can. I'm not pulling yeah. those out of thin air. But yeah, this is, I mean, a nice golden orange like a honey gold kind of a color a little bit hazy very effervescent though like oh gosh super thick color foam when it came out but those light loose bubbles similar to like uh you know soda or or something but it's still producing lots of bubbles in my glass here just tossing off tons of aroma yeah i think it's like the cinnamon the ginger some of those spices that they just have I don't know, like a, a warm quality to them in any kind of food or beverage. But, um, yeah, interesting, you know, th- those work really well with, like, bright citrus, zesty kind of uh, aroma and flavor. So pretty good mashup here for this, you know, this Belgian beer. They all kind of work together, and it's a really complex, like, winter ale, too. I think part of it, I think when you have a winter ale, you really want to have something that's going to, kind of warm you up inside when you drink it it doesn't have to be this like bold bourbony alcoholic beer it can be something just has a lot of like warm inducing flavor i guess or yeah however that means to you and i think that's where this this beer is because the mouthfeel a little lighter than expected uh and then the carbonation you know cuts and it feels a little bit on the drier side too so but it does leave a warmth in your throat as as you take a sip so yeah yeah this i had this out of the fridge for a little bit, not super intentional, but it worked out better. I think the first time I had a can of this, uh, just around the holidays, I think it was a little bit fridge cold still. And, um, I don't think I got as much depth as I'm getting now, like from the, the flavor. I think I'm enjoying it now that it's had time to kind of just rest at room temp and it's, it's got a slight chill to it still, but it's super complex with, all the different spice characters and you know some of those like estery compounds too it's just yeah and i'm getting like dark fruit too like cherry Mm -hmm. like um the cherries that you get to put in old-fashioned like those dark syrup cherries you know i'm talking about oh yeah yeah it almost does have a bit of like a syrupy the initial mouth feels a little bit like 
thick and like tongue coating, but yeah, it does finish dry. Yeah. So it's a it's an interesting like contrast there. But very good. This is so this is a Belgian winter ale. Is it a triple or anything, or does it just say Belgian winter? So it's actually uh, they note it as a Belgian style quad ale. Oh, so, quad. Um, but yeah, tons of like that winter ale profile with you know the different spice and you know the, the cherry you mentioned. There's actually some like golden raisins. So dried fruit, some like dark fruit mixed in with uh, cardamom, cinnamon, and ginger, which always adds a little bit of vibrancy to something. Mm. Um, it, what, are, what are we at with an ABV on this? Like a oh. nine point. I'm going to guess, uh, gosh, 9.3. Uh, 9.2. Dang. Oh, this so guy close. Is it. <laughs> Darn it. Yeah. You know, it was I was going to go a little higher at first, but I was like, it doesn't taste too alcoholic. And it yeah. does have a little alcoholic warmth, but it's not like so. I wonder if I hadn't have said it was a Belgian quad, if your mind would have like went that high. I probably would have. Uh, I may have gone a little lower. Yeah, but dang. Yeah, a bunch of flavors that work well together. Lately. Yeah, you've been really on it. Um, we mentioned thing too. This so like, not to circle back to all these flavors, but ginger, I found more recently because um, Jen's dad does kombucha brewing at home, like homemade ah. brewing. He makes the tea and then adds different um, juices and like adjuncts to add different flavors to have some yeah. variety. And I think. He uses ginger juice for a lot of the um, kombucha flavors, like as an additive, and it just like adds so much like kick to it. I think, and he's dialed it in a couple different measurements to get like the right amount where it's not like overpowering. Because if you have like white grape and ginger, like if you have too much ginger, it's gonna really just cut all the other stuff out. Yeah, but it's such a like versatile like spice or flavor. I feel like um, it's I don't see it as much in beer. I think. Um, but I think it really has potential to just like elevate and add some like, like, like vibrancy and some warmth to, to anything you use it for. Yeah, it does. It, it um, adds some undertones if you use it lightly, but if yeah. not, I mean, it can be a main stage player, oh, but it can be, player, like, powerful be too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can be like super strong. Like or raw like ginger this. is. And I can, yeah, I get some of that like ginger warmth from Cause this it burns too. a little bit. If you eat ginger like raw, it's like, it'll yeah. like, it feels like your it's mouth raw. is like burning, but it's just because it's so. I don't know if it's like, it can't be that capsaicin. It has to be just some kind of like, I don't know, compound in ginger. Probably similar to like horseradish or, you know, other like wasabi root vegetables that have that pungent. uh, I didn't think about that. I don't know what the compound is in that, but something. I may be way off base. Any botanists out there, tell us. (laughs) Fact check us. Uh, But yeah, so. Great beer. I think a great intro to our, our topic for today. So food and, and beer pairing. And this is something, you know, have read about and listened to some audiobooks about, but I've never really, you know, sat down and tried to plan out a menu for like a, a beer tasting. You know, I've never actually, I don't think I've been to a beer dinner either. No. We've done wine dinners at one of the local restaurants, Ford and Shep. They have, you know, it's a very cool experience because the chef comes out, you know, explains each course, and then they have a um, person who works for the wine distribution company, like the wine rep will come out and explain each wine, and they'll talk about the pairing, and it's like just a really cool experience altogether. Uh, but we haven't had any beer dinners. Yeah, actually, um, when we were in Germany, Julep, because I was looking at their menu and their like events, they apparently had a beer like pairing with like October style, uh, Octoberfest style oh, food. Oh, julep at the, like the hotel is near the yeah, convention center. Yeah, where it used to be like Village. Yeah. Um, which we've I've been there been for dinner. Julep. I need once. to go. It was, it was good. I liked it. Um, but I just saw that today. I yeah. was like, oh, that's neat. We missed that. Oh, jeez. The owners, we <laughs> yeah. The owners had a different place in Greenville too, or maybe they have now multiple restaurants that they manage. Mm. But I, I know they were like contacted by the hotel to, like open it. and manage julep uh, oh interesting kind of like sought out and they asked him if they wanted to do this project i can't remember that from when they first started but very cool yeah so maybe yeah. they'll do that again or maybe yeah. we'll have to do it yeah yeah that'd be really cool if it was did. a collab with somebody i can't remember who now it might have been casita oh really oh yeah. with julep yeah i'm gonna have to look it up now because yeah, lauren's gonna do a little research there 
Yeah. But yeah, we've talked about that before. I think we got kind of inspired by the the wine dinners and it was like, we could do this with beer. I think that'd be super fun. I'd want oh, to try it awesome. first with like close friends. Just We did do a beer dip pairing. Local Oak. Local Oak had one with their food, with they the food trucks. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, they How did. How did I forget that? Yeah. And it was like on a flight, too. It was perfect. Yeah, it was like flight-sized beer tasting. Because we did that a couple times. Yeah, they did it twice, yeah. I think. Prevail. The only thing, like, trip. and this isn't yeah. really a knock on it, I guess. It was but Casita, the... um, oh. but Julep. Nice. Yeah, we're saying a right. knock of what? No, it's, uh, this is not like a knock on either Prevail or uh, Prevail Food Truck or Local Oak. Because I think the food and the beer was tremendous. Like, I think we really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm sh- I wonder if they'll do it again. I know that Prevail's kind of moved on to their uh, meeting ground cafe. Yeah, so I've not seen their food truck around much lately. Actually, must be folks yeah. on the cafe. Is that what it's called, meeting ground cafe? Yeah, or? the meeting okay. ground. M e a t. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and local oak. I mean, pff, I've had better beer. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're untapped. Definitely corroborates that. <laughs> yeah. sure. Come on, Ben. Step it ben up. Ben and Nick are just slacking like. <laughs> No, that's yeah, that's in jest, of course. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but the the format of it was different than like let's say the other wine pairings or wine dinners we've had because they they presented it all at one time. It was like you got your flight of five beers and then you oh, got yeah. the five yeah. courses on like one kind of like dish or platter, and so you could then at that point kind of like hop around or go in any order you choose. Um, but you know, so that was kind of a different format than like serving you course by course. Yeah, versus like a formal um, thing. Yeah, yeah, so you're just kind of they're trusting people to be like, you know, diligent with following the order and pairings correctly based on the like slip they give you. Yeah, yeah. And certain um, things that they had paired together, you needed to eat while it was still warm. So the t- like typical pairing wouldn't have been the order that I would have been, like to enjoy my beer. Oh yeah. Um, I think that was like the second one we went oh, to. Oh yeah. Because like one thing I was like, oh yeah, you need to eat that while it's hot. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Can't remember specifically what food it was, but yeah. And I I have one time done like a a like catered beer thing where it was actually served kind of by the course. Um, each beer and course it was uh it was actually a it was a beer tour that it was in dc and it was like a i think it was like dc brew tours but there's a bigger company that they work in other big cities too so a lot of major cities have these like brew brew tour companies and it's like one larger like corporation and they like will provide transportation and like pop you around to a few different breweries this one happened to include a stop at a gastro pub that they brewed their own beers but then they also like picked out uh, like kind of finger foods to have with the beer, and then they had somebody that like described it step by step, and I thought that was yeah pretty cool. cool. Well, that was you know, um, not everyone's gonna do it that way, and I think it's probably harder to find that kind of uh like atmosphere for a beer and food pairing. Like you kind of oh yeah, or you know more likely to find it like how we've seen it at local oak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, wine and food pairings are you know very popular i mean there's good odds that you've gone to a restaurant and seen like at least on the menu like suggested wine selection or even been somewhere where they had a if you're real fancy somewhere that they've had a sommelier that described the different uh wines Mm -hmm. and and choices for you but beer you know it's kind of uh forgotten about when we're talking about doing food pairings and one could argue that beer is the top notch Oh, it's thing perfect for, for, for pairing with yeah. food. Much more, you know, broad depth of ingredients, less focus on terroir, you know, like with wine. Mm-hmm. Terroir. Lauren, quit looking at me because I said terroir like that. I don't know what that word is. Oh, it's like more dependent on the area it's from. Mm-hmm. Like the yes. grape, you know, the grapes are like, yeah, they're going to be from this vine well, on the, certain in this, things only grow in this certain climates and soil well and even there's some that are like this is from this section of this vineyard yeah but like beer is more focused on the craft crafting using the ingredients making that anyway right but you have a lot more flexibility for food pairing so there's a lot of options there i think people just forget about it so i'd, yeah. I'd love to see like a local thing i'd love to make yeah. a menu that'd be really fun like make a beer menu like pairing that'd be sweet yeah it, it, it is kind of like an opportunity to flex your creative muscles um and really like cause you to step back and and re reanalyze 
like what you think you know about a beer style and what mm-hmm. what flavors and what aromas are present, what kind of like mouthfeel. I mean, um, just another like fun exercise, I think, in, in like style studies. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. Because you're like, you know, not just memorizing the style. You're trying to pick a beer to complement what you're doing or contrast it. Uh, so, I mean, that kind of leads us into the, the next thing, which is kind of the, the principles of pairing beer with food. And there's a few different ways you can you can look at it. Uh, but I saw, you know, this website, brooklynbrewshop.com. They actually labeled it as the three C's of of beer pairing. I saw some similar, you know, connotations at uh, some other articles, but their three C's were complement, contrast, and cut, which is kind of a similar theme you'll see throughout, but some important principles that you'll think about when you're picking a beer for a particular food. So complement, for example, is you're looking for a beer that has similar aromas, similar flavors as the food that you're going for. So that way you're not overwhelming the food or conversely overwhelming the beer with the food and you're just trying to augment the flavor of the food with the beer which Mm -hmm. i feel like that's when you think about pairings it's probably what you default your mind to yeah right like i I think that's when we started kind of doing that exercise on our own for our um recommended menu i realized like right away we're like oh we're doing almost exclusively complimentary beers so I think it's just like a natural progression. Like you, mm-hmm. you know, like for like is a really natural, like thought process to like, we do a lot more comparison, I think in life than like contrasting things. So, um, but there's definitely value to the, the contrasting aspect of, uh, beer and food pairing for sure. Oh yeah. And I mean, when you're shooting for opposing aromas and flavors, you're, it's, it's interesting cause you're, you know, striking a balance. And I saw a great example that, you know, just simple, simply put sweet and sour, you know, like two kind of opposing flavors, but something that we see all the time. And we love as a combination for human, you know, human food. You think about foods that are all sweet and sour, sweet and sour sauce, sweet and sour, this and that. But you're, yeah, you're really picking categories that wouldn't necessarily mesh together, but they, when to when they are taken together, they give you the best of both worlds and really make for a mellowed out, balanced meal. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And I I had like really, I heard really positive and like, um, really like profound comments from this video I watched on YouTube from uh, Craft Beer and Brewing's channel. There's a Cicerone by the name of Greg Angert, and he. Um, really like specializes in that area and kind of talked about the interesting thing was he talked about kind of the, the rise of like food and beer pairing, because it really was, like you said, not really a common thing. It's become more, I think popular to think of that concept, but wine was sort of the, you know, the, they had the monopoly on, on pairing with, with meals and, and finding that kind of curated meal with your drinks. But uh, one of the things he talked about in terms of like, you know, how do you develop your beer and food menu and what elements, you know, the comparing, the contrast, the cut, um, like really breaking down every aspect of the beer and not just like one, like not one dimensional. Like you might think like, oh, you know, I've got a, a an IPA, so I it's bitter. I don't want that to go and like ruin or wreck a, you know, a really powerful dish. So I'm going to or a really solid, like, delicate dish. You don't want to, like, wreck it, so I'm going to move away. But, well, like, what kind of IPA? Is it a West Coast? Is it a New England IPA? Is it fruity? Maybe it's not as pungent. Maybe it's a Session IPA. Um, maybe it's a Red IPA. It's got some, like, malt character. So, like, to really look at beers as, like, more than just a one-dimensional, like, definition because there is, like, so much flexibility now with brewing beer that you can find a style or an iteration of that style that actually will fit like either a comparison to yeah. your food or, or it'll like nicely contrast it without, um, being overwhelming. Yeah. And so just like finding like ways to just break down beer into multiple dimensions, I thought was a really interesting way to look at it and not just think about, is the flavor going to like mesh? Well, think about the, the mouthfeel. Is it like crisp? Is it dry? Is it like really juicy? Is it like tart? And, and think about how that's going to affect the food as well, because there's, 
yeah. um, multiple layers to like enjoying food and beer um, and things you have to like consider a, a different facets of um, the process. Yeah, and that's something I saw when I was prepping for this episode is there's a lot of uh, sites or like quick like infographics that say like this style with this kind of food or this style with this kind of food. And if you look at it just purely from that way, you're right. You are kind of doing an injustice because you're boxing all of these styles into one specific category. And like, nope, you're saying that won't work with this because of, you know, it's got this flavor profile. But again, you almost have to think about it as flavors included in that in that style which i've seen some i did saw a blend of some i saw some that were purely just like these are the flavors which you might have a bias and tend to think about certain styles with those flavors but then there were some that were these are the styles but then there was a mix of some that were like this is the style and if it's got these flavors then you want to do this this and this so i think thinking about it in that aspect is is a great point but you talked about yeah. carbonation and stuff in the acidity, and, and that's where kind of that cut comes through, and the flavor and, and all these things come together, and cutting is basically just, you know, like it sounds, cutting through those foods that may be a little bit more mouth-coating or yep. heavy or, or, you know, really fatty, uh, savory, umami things. That the beer just kind of cuts through, wakes your palate back up, uh, after being overdosed with flavor. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you think about like rich, meaty foods, fatty foods, you know, having something that, you know, either an acidic beer or a super bitter beer that comes through and cleanses the palate and washes all of that away. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I think it was just a couple weeks ago we were talking about, uh, like charcuterie. That's a, a big one for me that I think about I love eating like, you know, a tray of different cheeses and like, so maybe like salty kind of like briny meats. And then, um, you know, you might have a cracker to cleanse your palate, but like you can also bring in something that's going to like cleanse it by being like, I think an IPA is a pretty good recommendation for charcuterie because you have like a West coast IPA that's that bitterness is going to help kind of complement you know, like a really bold cheese or really like strong, like umami meat, or can like cut some of that, like really salty, dried meat flavor Ooh, um, so yeah something that's gonna like kind of like wake up your palate a little bit in between different foods if you're gonna be like kind of swapping around yeah yeah um, something that's gonna kind of like yeah reset a little bit or just be such a stark like contrast i mean really you could <laughs> it complements <laughs> it contrasts it cuts i mean yeah you can yeah. have one beer that does a variety of things for that'd be really cool actually to do like um uh beer to charcuterie board pairing to try to get one singular beer that matches the entire plate yeah maybe we should hit up megan with farm to table and Mm -hmm. uh see if we can uh do a little collab on that that'd be pretty cool Uh, you know she's got an instagram account at the farm to table where she makes a lot of tasty looking delicious charcuterie boards as well as other recipes that's ph farm yeah she's pharmacist as well so (laughs) uh yeah, no, I think that'd be a, a fun challenge because there's so many different flavor profiles on a charcuterie board typically between the meats and cheeses and fruits, maybe some different nuts. Um, so finding something that would either complement, contrast, or cut for all those would be really interesting, actually. It's just a something I think that you couldn't do with a lot of beverages like wine to me, I mean, there's that big distinction right between like white and red wines and yeah. like a really fruit forward red wine versus a dry and tannic red wine. Yeah. And so they each have their own place as far as what foods they work with. Uh, but I feel like you can't really make them that universal. Whereas beer has more opportunity, I think, to fit or like check Multiple the boxes. Categories. Yeah. 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 So Here's a dry it... red wine. Here's a drier red wine. <laughs> How dry do you want it? <laughs> <laughs> like a desert <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> oh gosh, that would actually be a fun challenge. Like make a dish and then be like, everybody brings their choice for their beer pairing, and then they say like, oh, and then we have like a judge. Oh yeah, that'd be really fun. But continuing on, at like the principles of food pairing. So we got the three C's, uh, but then also the the concept of strength matching comes in. So if you have a big, huge beer. Uh, huge ABV, you know, very sweet, syrupy. You're going to want to pair it with a strong food, right? Because otherwise you're just going to 
completely overwhelm whatever dish you're you're oh, having. Yeah. So like uh, I guess a good example is barley wine. Like barley wine is probably too strong for a majority of the foods that you're gonna try to pair it with, unless it's like knock your socks off strong. Yeah, really rich meal. Yeah, one of the interesting points that I heard, and I think that's just common with a lot of like gastro pub food, like your burgers and like wings and things like that. There's sort of this trend, or it's like a common uh, order to get you know like a pilsner or just a domestic mm. lager with your your food. Uh, but the video I saw uh, from Craft Beer and Brewing, um, Greg was actually talking about you know you're doing a disservice actually because you have like a let's say a a pilsner with your your cheeseburger, your double cheeseburger, you all, all these different toppings and condiments and stuff. That light, like slightly dry, slightly like you know slightly bitter lager is really not doing anything. It's actually getting like overwhelmed by the the flavor and that like richness of the burger. You know, you've got the like fats and the the cheese, the you oh, know, yeah. condiments if you have and any stuff. Toppings and extra things on there, right? Like, so you're not like the beer itself is just washed out completely, and also it's not that beer is not adding any like complimentary value to the food. Mm-mm. And so it's just so funny that, you know, we just think about like you go to a, a, a bar or like a gastro pub and like most people are going to Bud Light to go with their yeah. order of, uh, you know, chicken wings or uh, a cheeseburger. And it's, <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of like hand in hand or like, you know, pizza and beer. People aren't thinking like, Oh, I'm going to get a pizza and a, a you know, a, a pillow. It's like, I'm going to go get a, <laughs> case of natty light with this uh little caesars and a pack of marble reds <laughs> oh gosh yeah i guess i guess maybe they should share but <laughs> a packet i like a pizza in a pail that'd be cool pizza yeah. in a pail yeah pizza in a pail hey i mean that's not to say that coming you know, down a fat tony's pizza we got a pizza <laughs> in a pail i think uh, i think a natty light probably has its place somewhere as far as pairing yeah, with you can food. pair that with the bun yeah and the, <laughs> saltines saltines um oh, man. yeah yeah i mean like you said you just want to like match or sort of be on the same level of intensity of like flavor and um and yeah like i mean a intense beer doesn't mean it's going to be like high gravity super high abv or like syrupy thick uh but intense beer, in but, some aspect that will yeah. either you know match one of the c's but you yeah and you know for the last principle that i i had here on joe's list of of principles an amalgamation of other people's things um is don't forget about the physical sensations you know you talked about the crispness and thinking of beer as a multi-dimensional and a Mm multi-sensory beverage uh and that's i mean you really got to think about the physical with it like spice is a great example like is the food spicy is the beer bitter uh what level of spices there is cinnamon spices or nutmeg things like that when I think about carbonation, that mouthfeel, is the beer highly acidic? You know, is it mouth coating? Is it thick and syrupy? Or is it very drying or cloyingly sweet? You have to think about all these different things because that will impact, you know, one could argue just as much as the flavor of the beer would. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah. The, you know, the idea that we don't want to be one-dimensional when looking about uh what beer is going to pair well um it's not just the flavor it's the um you know the reaction that you're that you have when you sip that beer and the same reaction that you have from like the food itself um i think that's actually really important and probably the most overlooked i would guess when you're like considering that i remember like thinking i think from that brew tour i talked about from dc i had this like memory like oh they're recommending that you have you know an ipa with um, like buffalo wings because it accentuates the flavor but in reality i think it's more these bitter beers are actually going to make it spicier and so yeah. is that something you're intending to do because mm-hmm. if not you don't want to pair an ipa or like a bitter beer with spicy food because it'll totally amp it up and which is um, funny because like i you know i've always gone by that concept too like be careful with strong bitter ipas because yeah they can enhance the spice of food but then as i was looking at this everything kept saying ipa pair it with spicy curry yeah. pair it with spicy curry and i'm like dang if you want it to be spicy then yeah do that but and i guess like if you're ordering spicy curry like you must like spice so it's not gonna probably shock you but yeah i think like it, it goes down to you know what you're hoping to gain out of that that the pairing and 
um, that relationship they're having. If you want it to amplify, then like, yes, that's a perfect choice. Um, but you can also find something that could like cut the, um, you know, the spice. Cut the you curry. Can, yeah. Cut the <laughs> curry. <laughs> oh man. But yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of things to consider. Uh, and I think as Paul yeah. Philippon put it to, to give you your gustatory pleasure. Yeah. I love that term. Yeah. Yeah. Gustatory pleasure. But, uh, yeah. Cause I mean, we like, we like food, we like beer and I mean, nothing like, you know, ordering some takeout and having a few beers. Um, and you can be like so intentional or you can be as, you know, casual about it as you want. Yeah. But, um, you might find that you're, uh, you know, just amplifying both the food and the beer that you're consuming by kind of being, I guess, creative and also like selective. Yeah. And being a little thoughtful with it, you know, it, it just adds, adds to the experience. And if you're going to do it anyway, might as well maximize the isn't that what it's all about? <laughs> so you, you know, we probably think about like a lot of styles and like what food comes to mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned like the the burger and like a you know pilsner, for example, is maybe what comes to mind. But and, and I think some of the, like the the Greg Ingert video I watched, like, want to stress there's like not really. I think it's, I think it's hard to say there's like a clear right and wrong pairing for every kind of food or every kind of beer. Um, there's sort of like, like I said, there's principles that you should keep in mind to sort of like maximize, um, the potential, but, um, some of those like maybe preconceived notions that you might have already. And some of us like have those in our mind may not always be the, maybe like optimal pairing, but, um, you know, for instance, like, you know, the lager, it's like a really light beer. It's, um, I really can think about, you know, a Hellas lager or a, you know, a Pilsner, um, you know, there's there's actually you know sub categories of the lager, and each one has its own distinct kind of like profile. So even within those categories, you might find uh, you know different pairing options. Um, one thing in particular is like you know we're talking about like the Mertzen, which is a seasonal beer, but I find that goes super well with like you know like pretzel, like salty pretzel, like um, any kind of like salty dish, like a really like savory like dip or something like that mm-hmm. um but also I, then i think about like other lagers that are so light-bodied and don't have as much of that like rich kind of caramelly yeah bready malt co- flavor completely washed out by that stuff right so, so like you know I, I think you have to be really conscious too of just like not getting yourself boxed into you know a category yeah. like a lager like a, a an ipa and thinking, well, I've heard this goes well with this because within that category of style, like there could be different iterations that actually yeah. are, you know, they, they contrast each other. Like a West Coast IPA versus New England IPA, they don't share like as much similarity as, as far as like the aromatics and the, the flavor that you, you get from drinking them. So like I wouldn't pair those two different IPAs with the same foods. Um, no and there's not i mean like you said there's not any right and wrong with this it's all about what your intention is with it and what flavors are you trying to pull out of it so that's where the like being considered of those principles you know come in so with that said you'll find a ton of of like i said before infographics and other recommendations that blanket styles so we figured since we're talking about it we might as well go over some of the the common recommended ones but this is uh mainly derived from the list put out by the brewers association so they have a ton of things on there. We just picked out some popular styles with there. So uh, you were talking about pilsners and, and lagers before. They you know they mentioned a lot of like grainy options, so bread or like crackers, maybe some polenta or risotto. And then talking about dessert categories, Ooh. things like shortbread, lemon shortbread. And then I I threw they didn't have this on there, but I threw in like angel food cake, but like a light you know yeah cake kind of a thing there. Something that's like. I think, yeah, we haven't really talked a ton about dessert, but I think that's an interesting one is, you know, a lot of people probably assume, and I, and as I have in the past, like dessert, you're kind of boxed into certain styles because yeah. uh, you, you got to like worry about the sweetness of dessert. But then there's some things like shortbread and angel food cake that don't have as I much residual sugar yeah. and like sweetness that you actually can get really, you know, creative with the pairing. Yeah. Yeah. And so another one's a brown ale and, you know, we think about, you know, qualities of like malty, a little bit rich, um, sometimes roasty, but like more like maybe like caramel, kind of sweet sometimes. Um, 
that goes really good with like some kinds of uh, red meat, like pork's good. You can even have like a, a salmon, um, something that's going to be like a really uh, kind of like umami meat, I guess. But like it, you don't have to necessarily go into the like a you know a, a grilled steak or something like that robust. Yeah, um, nothing super like heavy, like you know, yeah, yeah like lighter, lighter, but not like super like white meats you know yeah you could probably do like a roast chicken too but yeah. more like roast pork salmon because it's savory sausages. enough and it's i think savory is a good quality for yeah for that but also and going into dessert you know you want something kind of sweet with it um you know to like anything with nuts um maple flavors some because you think a lot of brown ales actually kind of have already like a nutty quality or like some maple syrup or like yeah. some molasses to it so and I, th- I was just thinking, like, gosh, if you had like a uh, like a maple ice donut or something like that. Ooh, um, yeah. We saw, uh, really I think good. it was on Pints and Panels on Instagram. Oh yeah, if donut you want to check them out. <laughs> yeah, they had a donut and beer pairing uh, post. So they're uh, Pints and Panels on Instagram, and they're probably on other social media. Yeah, Twitter too. I saw. Yeah, they're a really big channel, and they and uh, the uh, they're an artist. I think or like a cartoonist, and they do these doodles of different beer and uh, like situational pairings food pairings um this one in particular was like a beer and donut pairing and um it got me thinking like i don't think i would go to donut like with beer but um if i'm doing that i, I would love yeah. a brown ale with a, a maple frosted donut or like a what are those like i guess long johns or just yeah a lot yeah, of times yeah, long like johns or maple filled donut yeah, yeah yeah i think that's a nice combo there uh, you know, moving on to a little more malty porters. So getting a little, I think, you know, you get a little more malty, get a little more roasty. Yeah. You, you had a little more roasty with your food too. So roasted or smoked, uh, meats, barbecue, I saw was a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe some smoked sausages and then for desserts, like moving a little bit more into the decadent. So, chocolate peanut butter right. kind of thing Ooh. and you know it makes sense because how many like chocolate and peanut butter porters have you seen or you know yep. flavored porters in, in those categories so i think a, a natural progression there yeah and you get in some coffee sometimes too so like yeah. espresso desserts oh yeah definitely yeah. and kind of same thing for um for stouts which is you know stouts and porters are going to have some overlap and some um similarities and in, in where they're going to complement and contrast but um, yeah, definitely with the stout, it's a rich beer. It's usually a pretty full beer. You have to be careful about whether or not you're having like a dry stout or maybe like a sweet stout. Um, that'll, that'll change sort of the, the natural pairing you're going to want to go oh, for, yeah. but you know, something really like rich, um, red meat, anything beefy, umami, um, even some like bold cheddar, like sharp flavors. Um, I think, yeah, shepherd's pie you mentioned on here, I think is a great option because, it has such a like savory connotation. Everything about the dish is so uh, like over the top, like savory and rich. So a stout just works perfectly to cut through that. I may have actually had a stout at a, like an Irish pub with a shepherd's pie like years ago in Omaha. It was fantastic. It might have actually been a black and tan, but similar idea, like a really rich beer that's going to help like get through the that like fatty, rich, oh, like, beefy yeah. umami dish. So help pull through um, and then some of the same desserts you know like chocolate um some coffee some peanut butter um something that's you know gonna blend well with a rich beer yeah and that's why I, I you know i always think of stouts and irish food like you know oh just yeah bangers and mash bangers and mash shepherd's pie gravy meat all that you know kind of stuff i don't know i guess i ship uh fish and chips is like a traditional english like, yeah. pub food but Oh, that's, I guess we're talking Irish, not English. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, either way, I mean, close enough. <laughs> I don't know if I would do a stout with uh, fish and chips. So I think the light no, like, I think cod. You want much, something? Yeah. Um, Maybe a pale ale or a bitter. Yeah, of some sort. But yeah, so then you know, uh, uh, getting switching lanes a little bit, going on a barley wine. Like we said before, tough to pair with regular food because it's just so much. But things that recommendations we saw were really strong cheeses and very decadent desserts. So you basically, again, matching intensity. You're talking about a big beer, high ABV, high bitterness, high uh, malt character. You want to have a food that's equally, uh, that can stand up to it. 
So yeah. I like the idea of a strong cheese because there's nothing more pungent than a real strong cheese. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, you know, wine and cheese are very common pairing. So a barley wine kind of having that, you know, that fruity, strong presence, like sometimes tannics, you know, sometimes uh, acidic, but just really bold and rich. I think you would need. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, a lot of things we've done have been like really malt forward. I think, you know, as we learned from doing some research and kind of like talking over pairings, hoppy beers can be a little more tricky, I think, to find a good pairing. Um, probably easier to find contrasting flavors, but um, like ones that are complementary are a little bit more difficult. Uh, so like a pale ale, for example, is going to range a little bit in the the bitterness, the perceived bitterness, uh, the, the hop character, but typically... You know, you've got just a pretty like solid malt backbone and you've got some different like hop character. It's not going to probably lean too much one way or the other, but typically it's going to be a little more bitter than I would say like estuary in most cases. Um, so it works really well with just a lot of like your typical American like pub food. I think a uh, burger, like pizza, different like subs, sandwiches. Um, I mean, really you could probably probably can't go too wrong like getting like into some of that traditional like just american like yeah um like bar food with a pale ale because it has enough subtlety i think that it allows all the flavors of the food to like still be present and not be overwhelmed but um it also like i think will help like lift some of that too by being you know a little bit like bitter a little bit maybe uh, maybe a little bit of the like estuary notes like some zest maybe but yeah, a little um, malty, a little, yeah. little hoppy, little malty, just kind of a good yeah. all-arounder, I feel like. So then you get like your, you know, your sandwich foods where it's like some bread and some meat, some cheeses, so it's kind of already a mix of flavors. Yeah, um, yeah so I think that's a, a great option for just a lot of like, if you're just going for like a go-to, like I'm at a bar, like, you know, what, what should I get? Like a pale ale, you probably can't go too wrong like pairing that with some of those no. you know, traditional simple foods. Not at all. Uh, taking it, you know, a step further ipa you know getting more into the hoppy realm we talked these are a little bit more challenging uh but one one thing we mentioned previously was you know spicy food if you're looking to augment the spice uh and beef that up a bit but then other things where you can use it to cut as well uh so you can get you know burgers like a really i think you know i think of a good example for a burger with a IPA is maybe like a, a blue cheese burger or like a, mm-hmm. maybe some caramelized onions, like oh. really like strong f- like flavors there just for that to cut really, really heavily. Uh, and then for desserts, you need something that can stand up to hop uh, bitterness, maybe a little spice, maybe a little, I saw a recommendation of like a caramel apple style dessert or, oh, or something like that, which... I thought, you know, that's kind of a, a unique unique way to take it, especially if you got, like, piney resinous hops, like, going in the direction of apple. I hadn't mm-hmm. really thought of that, but it'd be worth, uh, worth a try to see. Yeah, it's caramel, to me, it's, like, you know, complementary with a lot of malty styles, not with a lot of, you know, the, the hoppy forward beers. So I think that's an interesting, like, contrast that, uh, that actually, you think about, like, you might get like a bitter apple too that works well with like uh, that caramel coating to kind of yeah you know balance out the salty or the the sweet and bitterness uh, components. So um, and yeah, if you are really into like super bitter, like you know a little bit stronger IPAs, your your doubles or your triple IPAs, um, you're gonna really need to find something that's gonna be you know like we talked about intensity right of flavor. So you're gonna yeah. find something that's also gonna find a good balance of intensity. Um, yeah, you, mo- you mentioned a uh, gamey meat, which I thought was really interesting. Cause you think about, you know, you know, smoked meats and like your, you know, red meats and grilled meats. Like we all kind of have an idea of that gamey meat had its own kind of realm and food. Yeah, it, does. it has yeah. a distinct taste and it's, it is a bit powerful and it's like maybe overwhelming, especially if you don't eat it a lot. Um, you know, fried food, like fried chicken, you mentioned was another good one. I thought, because you've got not just like a, you know, a bit of like an umami and a little bit of like a, a savory component, but a really like deep fried food is going to be, you know, that, that flavor and that, that kind of intensity like is really uh, lingers. And so having a double IPA or triple IPA, that's going to kind of equally match that 
um, you know, you're going to find that it's better, better suited than trying to find kind of like a lighter profile beer. Um, but also then to contrast that, like for dessert, find something like really sweet, um, really sugary, I think is like a good, you know, a good way to look at it. And you'd mentioned yeah. like creme brulee. I think that actually works pretty well. Cause like you think of creme brulee, you've got that little bit of that, like caramelized yeah. sugar on top and sugar so on top. It's a little burnt sugar flavor, I think can go really well with, uh, a double IPA where it's, yeah. um, it's kind of pronounced bitterness, but then it's being kind of like contrasted by that, like, sweet and slightly like smoky or burnt flavor yeah well a little good creme brulee crack the crack the top yeah good times good times yeah and then i guess to round it out well you know one realm we hadn't really talked about was wheat beers or, or wit beers um you know and these are going to switch things back up and get to the lighter side of things so thinking about salads you know seafood vegetable dishes uh, if you're in uh, Munich, you're going to do the Weisswurst, so the white sausage. Weisswurst. <laughs> Weisswurst. And then, uh, you know, maybe some fruity desserts in there to, to complement those flavors. So a little yeah. bit more delicate. You want to take a little more delicate approach, which makes sense and, you know, uh, rounds it out and complements or contrasts it nicely. So, yeah. Yeah. Those are, you know, like I said, the really recommended, you know, like principles for you know, what kind of like makes the most sense and what flavors are going to like immediately jump off the page as being like complimentary or, or they contrast each other in a way that's like cohesive. Um, or maybe like just to help cut them because it's, it's a really strong food or dessert that really needs something to kind of bring it back down to earth a little bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we kind of took all that, um, what we knew in advance, the new information we learned. And it's like, what if we were to make a menu from scratch right now? What would it look like? That might have been the hardest part. I think was just yeah, like, it was determining really. the menu. I've never yeah. just made like a what the food is yeah. four course or five course meal, and then from there it was like okay, so here's what we have. How do we fit a beer in there? And also like finding beers that you know I think it was important that we were like finding something that was complementary, something that contrasted what flavors were there, something that maybe would cut just to kind of yeah. those three C's that we talked about. And just using all those different principles to develop a yeah. menu that, and also so you're not just like drinking a lot of the same beers in one meal. You want to kind of have some variety and in, in style too. So yeah, and I think that was one of the fun challenges with it because it was like we wanted to keep the food within a, a similar style of cuisine. You know, not jump all over the map with that, but yet keep the beer interesting and fresh mm-hmm. with each course. Uh, so we ended up going with a an Asian themed menu. I don't know how we got there, uh, but we we started off with a spring roll appetizer, a nice little uh, delicate spring roll, uh, and what we we came up with a a, a pilsner or a or a, a lager, some mm-hmm. sort not too heavy, not too flavorful. I mean, spring rolls are pretty light with the those yeah. wrappers that they have on them, and then they're fried, so they've got a little bit more depth of flavor. But I think the the bready, you know, kind of crackery flavors from the lagers would really complement like the wrapper of that spring yeah. roll, but yet still give a little bit enough crisp and dryness to tone back some of the fatty flavors of the spring roll. Yeah. Yeah. And some of those, like, you still get a little bit of that, like, like freshness from the, you know, if you got like some cabbage or like carrot inside. And so having that light bodied, light profile beer, might in the crispness like a dry crisp beer might kind of accentuate the the freshness of the spring roll too yeah what do we do for our next course we had a salad right so yeah we said sticking you know with with sort of the asian in theme we said like an asian ginger salad that we would have and you know we we were actually inspired a little bit by furrow here so that that belgian belgian style ale that had some of the spice and some of the ginger mm-hmm. and some of that dark fruit uh, that goes in there. We figured we we could complement that nicely with with uh, the Asian salad, but yet still yeah. have some flavors that are distinct enough from the beer, but may complement the the flavors in the salad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of. We just talked about the you know like Belgian styles and how how well those work with like salads and like leafy green vegetables. But this one, yeah, I saw like the ginger. And the you know the golden raisins, I'm like that just screams salad to me. Like yeah, and then it the it worked well with the like you know like an Asian vinaigrette something like that. So I thought that'd be 
really interesting pairing. It would be complex and kind of like, you know, like a vibrant salad. But uh, let me on to the entree, and that was kind of the uh, the tough Challenge. part. I think that was the hardest part, yeah. yeah. Um, we came up with a uh, Mongolian beef as the dish for the entree, which is a really good dish. It's really savory, a lot of umami flavor. Um, the green onions really peak out, and they're really strong, and they kind of develop a different flavor as they've been, like, sautéed and... Um, they don't have that raw green onion flavor, but they get a little bit of like a release of some sweetness maybe. Um, so finding something that would go well with that, we came up with the black IPA because you've got some elements of your IPA, your, your hop character, um, maybe a little bit of like a citrus estery notes, but also the important element is that darker malt bill that's going to provide some complementary flavors of like, uh, you know, like a little bit of roastiness that might go well with the beef aspect. Um, it being like, you know, coated in this rich sauce, it'll help kind of cut through that richness a little bit by, yeah. by also like complementing complementing the flavors that are present by being a bit of like a complex beer, having that like roastiness, that like rich malt backbone, um, but also some of the elements of that hoppy character to to lift and elevate some of the. Um, flavors in the meat and also I think with like the green onion a little bit of the uh, you know a lot of times you have it with like maybe a side of rice too and so um, that fried rice I think having that beer would would do wonders to kind of like bring it all together and 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 not like overpower the the dish because it's a dish that has a lot of good flavor you don't want to like mask anything but um, yeah it could like heighten some of the flavors yeah and it still cuts cuts through some of the the real thickness of it with the bitterness but yeah like you said cuts and it's opposing enough but yet it still brings back hints of the flavor with some yeah. of the more malty flavors now because the black ipa is not like super roasty super malty like that but it does have a little bit more of the darker malt flavors peeking through which kind of ties it back to the savory aspect of the dish yeah so. uh, and then for dessert rounding it out we went with a uh, mango sticky rice and you know we we're thinking about a few options here, but we ended up on a category that's not too common is tropical stouts. <laughs> uh, so stouts, you know, think of, think of them with the desserts all the time, but tropical stouts, you know, it's a version of the foreign extra stout, which features, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, it's got a higher ABV, but it also features some fruity notes within there, you know, from the, the ale yeast and, and whatnot. So we figured, hey, a tropical stout, fruity notes, mango rice, uh, and sticky rice having coconut milk and mm-hmm. uh, some sweetness in there. We thought sweet coconut milk goes great with base of stout, but then you got mango, that tropical fruit, yeah. and then you've got the tropical stout with its own fruitiness. So each aspect of the dessert and the beverage are augmenting each other, you know, because really the, the, the yeah. fruit in a tropical stout is is not super pronounced, but if you paired it with something like a mango, you could really elevate that level. Oh, yeah. And then... On the same side with the sweet, creamy, you know, coconut milk uh, aspect of the sticky rice, that that stout comes in. And, I mean, who hasn't had a, a coconut stout oh, before? Yeah. So, uh, I think that'd be a very interesting one, and I'm, I'd, I'd like to try that and <laughs> outside of theory. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying theory sounds great, but maybe practically, maybe who, knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> but it was, it was fun, yeah, just, uh, and that was a good idea, I think, in your part, to think of the tropical stout. I think we wanted to kind of yeah find something that was gonna complement, but maybe provide some level of contrast. And I think just at baseline stout seems like it's too far out to really have um, much place there. But yeah, the tropical element I think it brings it back down to a, a place where it would work really well on multiple levels. Yeah. So. That was a lot of fun trying to do that. I'd like yeah. to do it for real life too. And, you know, maybe just for friends or something or, yeah. uh, you know, some other venue that'd be pretty cool. Do a uh, beer menu. All right. Well, that was a, a lengthy episode. And <laughs> But Elsie, what'd you learn today? I'm curious. Other than that, we're long-winded. Yeah, you're very long-winded. Mm, um, a little bit. I don't know. Just, I guess the whole like concept of not necessarily avoiding something from like, or just the concept, I guess, with complimenting and not picking something completely opposite, but picking something that complements the flavor, brings out or enhances a flavor. Mm-hmm. What'd you learn, Nick? Yeah. yeah, I think that, yeah, the, the three C's, you know, if you will, the 
to complement contrast cut like each roll and, and and there can be like you know some overlap between a couple of different roles or purposes there uh, I also learned um, you know when you're trying to like devise food and beer pairings like it's not as easy as it seems on paper and we talked about how much opportunity there is for creativity but I think that in itself almost makes it more difficult um, but then also I think I just learned that there's so much room to be correct that like you don't have to be afraid of like trying it out like I, I don't know that I've ever had a pairing that has ever grossed me out um, yeah. yeah I think I think what I've learned is that I just really want to just flex that creativity a little bit and just see um, maybe something that is outside of the box, but, you know, going back into theory, like in theory, this should work in one of those elements, whether it's contrasting or if it's complementing. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I definitely learned that it's a lot more artful than that. But I think the other thing I learned is that people are recklessly out there just recommending IPAs for spicy food. You don't know what you're doing to these people who can't tolerate spice. <laughs> Getting them messed up. Getting to mess them up. Yeah. Playing tricks on them. But, it's all, all right. a cruel joke. Cruel, cruel joke. Well, that wraps us up for episode number 48 of Secondary Fermentation, presented by East Carolina Beer and Brewing. As always, you can reach out to us via Gmail at eastcarolinabeer at gmail.com. You can head up our website, eastcarolinabeer.com hit us up on instagram east carolina beer twitter at east beer facebook at east carolina beer and brewing and anything else that i missed on that one uh and let us know if you think our pairings were just totally crazy trash or if uh you have your own thoughts maybe would you put eat together would you eat our menu do yeah. you like our menu <laughs> those are a lot of different questions do you love us would, do you would hate i us? eat your food mm, depends you would eat my would food I take your recommendations for plate. pairings? Would you take my pairing? Elsie, well, would you take my recommendations for pairing? I mean, I try anything once. <laughs> and I mean, it would be a very telling moment. If I thought you hit it out of the park, then I would take further recommendations from you. If it was all horrible, terrible, absolutely disgusting, I would never um, take any more recommendations yeah. from you. If you ever try any any of the pairings that we recommended, let us know if they were good or bad. And don't be like Lauren. I was trying to be golden. 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 Absolutely. All right. Well. See you later. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.